0: Well, I invite you tonight to open your Bible to the book of Philippians. And anyone know what chapter we're in? Four, that's right, chapter four. We're in the home stretch here, folks. And uh methinks that we have um brothers tonight, God willing, we'll get through to uh, verse nine and then one, anyhow, one more message, maybe two, and we're done, the book of Philippians. What a delightful little book this is, and there's so much more in it than what we've had time to, to talk about and deal with. We're following a little outline um, by uh, J. Vernon McGee, although the... Uh, the the chapter titles are his. All the rest of it is our own. But chapter 1 was the philosophy of Christian living. Chapter 2, the pattern for Christian living. Chapter 3, the prize for Christian living. And chapter 4, the power for Christian living. And indeed, folks, we can't live the Christian life without the power. We'll fail every time. We can put up a facade. Uh, we can look good. Uh, and maybe this is where, you know, the, uh, the the thing comes from there, where some look, you know, they're godly on Sunday and you know, they're, they live for the devil on Monday. Um, that may have something to do with it. Boy, we live in a uncertain world. These are very uncertain times in which we live, and the nations are surely doing a lot of saber rattling. It's not just all the economic woes we have to deal with. Now we've got superpowers that are saying, oh yeah, you first. Oh yeah, you first. Oh yeah, well my my finger's over the button. Oh yeah, well my finger's closer to the button and your finger is closer to your button. And we've we really live in a world that's something's gonna happen soon. And so these are very uncertain times. And the Lord has for you and for me power that we can not just survive we can thrive we can be more than overcomers and this is very important as we're going to see tonight as we uh, get into chapter 4 we'll be starting on verse 4 so let's pray once more loving heavenly father thank you for this wonderful book of philippians it's such a happy book the joy book of the bible help us lord never to lose your joy Times are trying out there, and sometimes people's nerves are are getting frayed, and the world is is getting kind of shaky. Lord, I pray that through believers, they could see hope, that they would see that there's something more than what can be seen in this world. Lord, help us tonight uh, to be uh, uh, more in that power that you have for us, and to learn how to uh, live it and use it. Please, Lord, help us to be ready for prayer time. Please speak with our hearts in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I think that uh, this passage here from verses 4 to 9, probably the key verse is verse uh, number 5, if you look at it, please. Read it out loud together with me, would you please? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And uh, here we're, we're told that we're to live moderate lives. So I kind of think that um, this is somewhat the, uh, the key here. Uh, the moderate lifestyle. And a couple of things just to point out before we go back and start in on verse 4. A couple of things is that we're to let all people see it. Others are to be able to see in us a moderate lifestyle. And the second thing is because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Of course, uh, he's close by. Um, I I don't think it's so much, you know, the fact that his coming is at hand, but he himself is at hand. Of course, we think his coming is at hand. If we didn't, well, we probably would live differently. But the Bible tells us to live as if he's as if he's coming back this day. And so in that aspect, yes, the Lord's coming is, is at hand. But the Lord himself is at hand. If you know Christ as your savior, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Boy, just to think that um, one day we're really going to leave this place. We're going to say goodbye to everything and everyone on earth. We're going to leave them behind. We're going to heaven, folks. Now, that ought to change the way we think and the way we live. All right, let's go back here to verse 4. So maybe in the light of that, verse 4 makes a little more sense. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Notice that the Bible says always and not always. All way means all along the way. All along life's pathway. Every every day takes us a little further down the pathway of life till we finally get to heaven. And along this pathway, we are to rejoice. Rejoicing should be a part of our Christian experience. If you find that you go day after day with no rejoicing, something isn't quite right. Something is missing there. Uh, Something's not plugged in if you find that there's very little rejoicing in your life. And I just want to suggest to you that that is a fixable problem. Uh, The devil disagrees with that. The devil says it's not fixable. That's the way you are made that's in your DNA. It's in your genes and you just have to live with it. That's not true. With Christ in us, we're a new creature, aren't we? Old things are passed away, aren't they? Can I get an amen? Yeah. And do you think Christ, mopes around day after day. Oh, it's a dark day today. Oh boy, I don't know if we're going to make it. Oh, this guy did that and she did this. And Christ doesn't do that. He doesn't live like that at all. Either in heaven or on earth. He didn't live like that at all. And so with Christ in us, we are able to rejoice, to joy and to rejoice. And that doesn't mean some kind of craziness and giddiness. You know, when you hear of disaster, you laugh and laugh. It doesn't mean that at all. That's uh, being actually quite disconnected from the realities of life. But um, the joy and the rejoicing is mostly done in our hearts. And uh, it shows on our face sometimes too. That's nice too. Well, Christians have the most to rejoice in. Uh, there's a song, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. What's one of the first things as Christians we can Thank God for. Something about our sins. What about our sins? Gone. Right? Our sins are forgiven. Now that's worth rejoicing in. Uh, Have you ever tried this to sit down and try to list the things that God has done for you that you could be happy about? Because that's definitely one of them. You know, if you had one sin on your account, one sin, you could not enter heaven because there shall in no wise enter into it anything as the book of Revelation says that defileth or whatsoever maketh a lie but they whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Something else we can rejoice in is that when we die, there's a home in heaven. Jesus promised us that in John chapter 14. Not only are our sins forgiven, but we've got a home in heaven. We've got assurance that when we close our eyes in death, if something happened to us, either a disease or a crazy man's bullet, or a drunk driver, or some kind of accident, and we fall off the edge of the world or something, and we die, we've got tremendous joy that there's a home in heaven. Our sins are forgiven, and there's a home in heaven. Not just that, but here on earth, we've got the abiding presence of Jesus. So how do you know? The very next verse tells us that. The Lord is at hand. He's never left you nor forsaken you. In all your darkest hours as a Christian, he's been right there by your side. And usually, typically, you'll find that when you go through your worst trials of life, the Lord seems to be closest to you. If you've had a a near-death experience, the presence of the Lord is there. If you've gone through something really, really terrible, they've accused you and whatever, and maybe you've cried yourself to sleep, you ought to know something of the presence of the Lord because He's right there. The Lord is at hand. So the abiding presence of Jesus, the, uh, the comfort and leading of the Holy Spirit, how He guides us into all truth and teaches us and reminds us when we've committed sin how we need to get right with God. These are all things that we can be tremendously thankful for and we can rejoice in. We've got a Heavenly Father who answers prayer. Every one of us have had some prayers answered. If you're here and you say, well, I've never had a prayer answered. Oh yeah, did you ever pray to be saved? Did God answer that prayer? Well, then you have had prayer answered, haven't you? And you've had a whole lot more than that too. You really have. If you drive a car in this city, you ought to be a prayer warrior. Especially when you come to intersections. Especially King George in 88. You ought to be a prayer warrior whenever you're anywhere near that neck of the woods. Lord, help me now. Please help me get through. I know I got a green light, but the other guys, they don't know that yet. (laughs) Lord, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me through. There's an answer to prayer right there. You ought to pray when you drive. Or if you're the passenger, you ought to pray for the driver. Oh, dear Lord, he's driving again. Oh, please (laughs) help us get there safely. (laughs) A little bit of humor. Trying to perk you up a bit here tonight. Oh, well, and then, of course, we've got the Bible. Where would we be without the Bible? You know, there are so many more things that we could thank God for. Our, our sound mind, our ability to think, our, our clothes, our homes, our food, uh, jobs, family, friends, uh, so many more extra blessings beside. We have so much, folks, that we can give praise and glory to God. And these are things that stir us to be thankful and to rejoice. And so look at it again in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord all way. And again, I say, rejoice. Now that ought to tell us something. They made a little song out of that verse. You know that? How many know that little song? Raise your hand. Boy, that's uh, almost half of us. Well, tell you what, you who raised your hand, let's sing it together for the other half who don't know it. And then we'll all know it together, shall we? <clears throat> me, 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 me. <clears throat> let's start on a good note. Rejoice in the Lord all hallway, again I say rejoice rejoice in the Lord all way again I say rejoice 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 again I say rejoice 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 again I say rejoice rejoice in the Lord all way again I say rejoice there you have it now all the men will start singing and then all the ladies will chime in. How about that? You know how you do that? Uh, one starts and then after a few words, the other one starts in. So all the men will start singing, rejoice in the Lord, Lord all the way. And right there, then the ladies jump in, rejoice in the Lord, Lord all the way. Okay. And then we'll carry it through and we're, we're sure to make a mess of it, but uh, we're to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All right. So men, are you ready? <clears throat> Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord all oh, ladies rejoice in the Lord all hallways. can i say rejoice can i say rejoice rejoice again i say rejoice 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 again i say rejoice rejoice in the lord all way again i say rejoice Reduce. Reduce. Hey, not bad. Not bad. We actually did it. I can't believe it. Wow. Oh, man. That's fun to do, isn't it? They do that sort of thing at camp and uh, at uh, little gatherings and things like that. We're too uh, straight-laced to do that in church, though, right? So that's a good verse, though. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, we're going to get eventually to verse 19, but just kind of take a quick look. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you have that wonderful promise as well. So rejoice in the Lord always. And then, of course, we get now into verse 5. Because of this rejoicing, because the Lord is at hand, folks, we need a moderate lifestyle. We need a moderate lifestyle. Now, uh, there's always going to be those that are going to accuse Uh, others of not being as moderate as they are. Uh, They turn moderation into legalism. Uh, Oh, you got a three-piece suit on. You're not moderate. I have a two-piece suit on. I'm moderate. Oh, you have some kind of expensive pair of shoes on. I have a cheap pair of shoes on. I'm moderate. You're not. You know, that's almost turning the grace of God into legalism. And so we have to be careful about that sort of thing. It's all right to wear uh, nice clothes, it's okay. It's okay if you drive a nice car, live in a nice home, that's okay. But I think that uh, it's the real wild excess that we have to be careful of. But it's not just clothes and cars and things like that that require moderation. Keep uh, your finger there in Philippians, please, and turn to the right to the book of First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. I'd like us to look at another kind of moderation that we all need. First Peter chapter 3. Now, look, look at this for moderation. <clears throat> Verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Well, that simply means that if a saved wife has an unsaved husband, he's not obeying the Word of God, he listens to the preaching, but he doesn't get saved, it says to be in subjection to him, that they also may without the Word be won by the conversation, the manner of life of the wife. Many an unsaved man has been won to Christ by the godliness and the love and um, the purity of his wife. Um, one thing that we hear this often drives men away from uh, getting saved is nagging. So we've got to be very watchful of that. Uh, it goes on in verse 2. Peter says, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That means fear of the Lord. Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Uh, back in Peter's day, many of the women adorned themselves like real Hollywood style and uh, in, in such array It was incredible. They would spend hours, hours, literally hours every day getting all made up and gold and hair and things, things like that. And, and Peter was saying, this isn't the way. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Now that would be Christ in that which is not corruptible. Even, when I have these words underlined in my Bible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God values tremendously a meek and quiet spirit in a woman. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. A lot of women would jump up right there, I'm not calling him Lord. And what if he went and got his name changed to Lord? Got a legal name changed to Lord. Would you call him Lord then? Well, it's a small L here anyhow, isn't it? Whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. And then, it doesn't stop, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now that's weaker physically. Certainly not mentally. uh, Not spiritually, that's for sure. A lot of women are tremendous uh, powerhouse with the Lord spiritually. And um, we're told here to uh, give honor unto them as being heirs together of the grace of life. And watch this. that your prayers be not hindered. For a man to be upset and bitter at his wife is going to hinder his prayers. He's not going to get his prayers answered. In fact, God is going to have to get his attention and bring chastisement into his life. So here is definitely one type of moderation if we want to go back now to Philippians. And uh, verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And so we're not to be full of cares and worries uh, that's what the world does. You know, some of, some of the people who worry the most are the people who work with money, investments and things. And maybe you've seen pictures of them, maybe actually know someone who works in that industry where they trade commodities and stocks and bonds and they work the money market and things and they're in that environment, you know, with all the numbers going by and there's bells ringing and people are yelling to, to buy this and sell that and so on. And um, at the end of the day, a lot of them are worn out. I'm, I've am i read where a lot of the um, investors on the floor, a lot of them get burned out before they're 40 years old. The pressure, the stress is just so much. It's incredible. Uh, some of our church folks over the years have told me how they've uh, quit a job because of the stress in it. And uh, they just can't take that much stress. It's crazy. And all of the, the craziness that goes on there. Well, We are not to be full of care, especially, I think, when it comes to financial things, because uh, this world and maybe North America is money crazy. Um, We seem somehow to think that if we just work hard enough, if we uh, get two or three jobs, maybe if we put in enough hours, somehow we'll get that golden apple, that golden carrot maybe on the end of the stick. Uh, This this world needs to see the calm and confident life that we have in Jesus. Where you are, where you go to work, is there stress? Do people get stressed? How about uh, in your neighborhood? Any stress there? Maybe with your neighbors? They need to see calm confidence in you and me. They need to see that. Because they're they're not experiencing it. They got turmoil in their home. Then they get in their car and they go to work, or or they get on the the skytrain or something, and there's turmoil there. Actually, turmoil driving. What do we call that? Starts with the letter R. Road rage. Yeah, a lot of that kind of thing happening. Rush hour and people's nerves are you know get out of my way, and so. Um, They get to work, and then there's more stress there. Everyone's under stress. That's why, if you work or live in an environment like that, the answer is not to run away and run up to the mountains and live in a cave. That's not the answer. The answer is to learn to rejoice in the Lord so that when you walk in, all of a sudden, oh, you know, the angels sing, the light comes down from heaven. Look at that man, look at that woman. What's so different about them? That's what the world needs to see. That's why we've got to stay close to the Lord. The Lord is at hand and we need to rejoice. So this world needs to see, especially in times of financial hardship and now also with the nation rising against nation, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some war breaking out soon. They uh, they need to see Jesus in us because that will attract many people to the Savior. Let's keep a marker there in Philippians and go over to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. Boy, oh boy, here's moderation for you. Matthew 6, and verse 24, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means the things of the world. Especially money. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought. That means anxious care. Just like what we read in Philippians, Be careful for nothing. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall... Put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. Isn't that the truth? You never see the crows out there putting seed in in the ground. You never see the crows out there, you know, with a little sickle, trying to cut down the, the crops and store them in the barn. See, Jesus said, they, they gather not in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? He answers, of course we are. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his own stature? So, obviously when we're full grown, we figure, well, that's it. That's it. That's it. But, what if Jesus is talking about those that are still growing up? You know, to the the children. Isn't it true? A lot of the children say, oh, I wish I was older. Don't they do that a lot? Yeah, I wish I was 16. Oh, I wish I was growing up. I wish I was out of school. And they're just small. And uh, we tell them, well, one day you'll be taller. I want to be taller now. And even if they think and they grunt and groan, And even if they try and practice yoga and get in the lotus position or whatever that thing is you call it, and try and do some transcendental hesitation, no matter what they do, they cannot add a cubit 18 inches to their stature. But God in time does it for them. God grows the children up. It's God who does it. And then we get to our full adult growing height and that we're exactly where God wants us to be. Oh, why did God have to make me so short? Why did God have to make me so tall? Why did God have to do this? And Why did God have to do that? Folks, we're exactly what God wants us to be. And the old devil's going to try and get us down on that. And he does millions of people all over the world. That's why they get plastic surgeries and tummy tucks. And I've heard one place, you know, that you get a chin lift. You've heard of that, chin lift, you know, your chin is sagging, so they do the plastic surgery, and they they pull it up somehow. A chin lift. no, yes, come on, you've heard of it, haven't you? A plastic surgeon was once asked on television, "Well, how often? Because you know it'll tend to sag again. How often can you get your chin lift? <laughs> he said, you can get your chin lifted until until, until your belly buttons on your chin. <laughs> I've never had one of those. Uh, well, I've had a belly button, but I've never had a, never had a, a chin lift. I don't really care, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Uh, I don't expect to keep the body that many more years. Anyhow, the Lord goes through all of this here, and consider the lilies of the field. Verse 29, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What does that mean? It means Solomon had to array himself. The lilies, God does it for them. By the way, Solomon never had a cell phone either, so think of that, you know, when next time you start envying Solomon. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? They would use grass, you know, to help um, get their fires going. That's the idea, cast into the oven. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's a reference to the unsaved, the unsaved people of the world. They're grubbing for money all the time and clawing and scratching and scraping and worrying and fretting over their careers and their paychecks and this, that, and the other thing. That's what the world does, folks. And we're not to do any of that because we have a Heavenly Father who's going to look after us. And isn't it true? Every single one of us here tonight, we're here tonight by the grace of God. All the many, many years. We could have died, folks. Some of of us have had diseases that have been life-threatening. Some of us have been in situations where we should have perished. we didn't. And God was so faithful how many ever decades old you are, every one is a glowing testament to the goodness of God. Every day, He keeps our hearts beating. He knows how to look after us. He does. He's our Heavenly Father. So, take no thought, saying, verse 31, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day—that's today—is the evil thereof. There's enough you have to be concerned with today. Don't take on tomorrow as well. Let's go back to Philippians. So in verse six, be careful for nothing, but in everything watch this. By number one, prayer—that's where we we uh, we cry out to God. The essence of the word prayer means to ask. And so we ask and ask and ask and seek and seek and knock and knock. That's the prayer. The supplication, prayer and supplication is when we bend, we bow before the Lord and we supplicate not only physically but emotionally and mentally. We bow to his will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, show me your will. Show me what you want me to do. That's supplicating. Prayer and supplication, but we're not done yet. What's the third word? Say it out loud. Thanksgiving. Boy, we need a lot more of thanksgiving when we pray. It's a good idea, I think, to give God thanksgiving when you pray, to thank Him for His goodness. What I have found is a nice way to end the day is a prayer meeting with God where we thank Him. And I go through the day and I can thank Him for His blessings and thank Him for His faithfulness. Listen, I'll tell you, even if it was a rough day, Even if I was lucky to get through it with my skin. I can still thank God I got through it. I can still thank him. And the Holy Spirit helps me. To see ways in which I can thank the Lord. And all this is pleasing. If you're looking for a good prayer pattern. Right here. Let God know your needs. Let God know what you think. And if you want to cry before him over something. Then weep. That's a good thing to do. But get the thanksgiving in there. That's very important that we give him thanks. And then verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We live in a terrible world. Very uncertain times. No matter where you go. Well, I'm just going to leave Canada. So much turmoil here. I'm going to go to the United States. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the United States. I'm going to move someplace like El Paso. You'll want to think that one through. All right, then I'm going to go someplace where people, you know, are nice to each other and they, they, they speak nice, they never hurt each other. I'm going to, go to, I'm going to go to Mexico City. Oh, I'd think about that one if I were you. Well, I'm going to go someplace, you know, where the economy is nice and stable. I'm going to go to Greece. Uh-uh. Italy? Uh-uh. <laughs> You know, I'm going to go someplace where they got no diseases. No matter where you go in the world, no matter where you go, the devil has got your address. You can't escape it. You may as well stay here and live for the Lord. The best thing you can do. But what we need is God's peace. Peace in our heart. We need to have that and the world needs to see it too, by the way. And um, I believe that what what um, God is teaching us here in verse 7 is that help is on the way. When we pray, that's when help is on the way. But what do we do between the time when we have the need and the help arrives to meet the need? We pray, we supplicate, and we give thanks. Well, what good will that do, you say? Well, that's where verse 7 says, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep. The idea is to garrison like a, a group of soldiers comes and gets all around you there. It garrisons. It, it keeps your hearts and your minds. so you don't go crazy. And it's through Christ Jesus. Others will go crazy. Others will jump out the window. You won't. You'll maintain calm. You'll maintain your peace. How is that even possible? I'm not sure I know, but I know it works. That if we do this little formula in the midst of a world that's going crazy and turning on itself and if you think it's crazy now just wait another day and you wake up and check the news and it's even more crazy 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 things are happening all the time and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and sometimes i wonder what kind of world if we make it that far that our children are going to grow up into hmm? or our grandchildren it's a real crazy world out there and it's certainly not like how things used to be you could you don't have to lock your doors you know, almost leave your doors open. You could leave things out around the yard. Not anymore. You know, they got package thieves now. Porch thieves, they call them. You get your Amazon delivery to your porch. and You come home, it's not there. Why? Because it got stolen. And it's very, very common. And boy, things are really heating up in the world. I could tell you so many crazy things that I've I've seen happen in the news, but you probably know them as well if you watch the news. But it's very important, folks, that we follow this this, uh, formula. I read an interesting story. It happened to a man in the 1800s. He was a young man at the time, and he he was in the New England area of the States. He didn't have a job. uh, uh, In fact, he was down to his last dollar. So in church, he gave 50 cents to the Lord as his offering. The next day, in looking for work, he saw that a... A city, you know, down the road a bit, uh, was, offered, was looking for work. Uh, lo- sorry, looking for workers. And he thought, maybe I can get a job there. But the price of getting um, a train ticket was a dollar. And he thought, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, put anything in the offering plate. I only got 50 cents left. And so in the 1800s, you could get a little more for 50 cents. So for 50 cents, he traveled as far as he could and he got off the train. And he thought he would walk the rest of the way to get to that town. But in the town where the train dropped him off, he saw a sign that they were looking for workers, for employees. And he ended up getting a job for uh, $5 a week more than he would have gotten had he gone out of that original town and gotten a job there. Just to say that God looks after his own. And that man ended up being uh, William L. Douglas. Now, that name won't mean anything to any of us here, but he became the world's biggest manufacturer of shoes for men and women. He set up the biggest plant in the world and was manufacturing shoes for decades. And Very interesting, isn't it? How if you honor God, he honors you. God makes no mistakes. And folks, what we need to do is we need to realize that God is in control. And if we're saved, we're his kids. And he looks after his kids. He knows how to meet our needs. And we don't have to worry and panic. We don't have to fly off the handle and get all bent out of shape over things. That's what the world does. The world needs to see Jesus in us. The peace that passeth all understanding. That's verse 7. You won't understand it, but it's there. We can have our needs met. We can go ahead and we can serve the Lord. And part of that's, of course, supporting the ministries. And God will meet our needs. Now we have to hurry on here. Verse number eight. Finally, brethren, he says, whatsoever things are true. Now listen, I'll say them, you count them, okay? Let's see how many things he's going to talk about. Can we do that? See if we come up with the same number. I'll say them, I'll read it, and you count them. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. How many did you get? Six? Did you get eight? Nine? You got nine? Nine? Should we do it again? (laughs) Let's try one more time. Get out your fingers and toes. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now, that'd be number one, right? Say them out loud with me. One, true. Whatsoever things are honest. Two, whatsoever things are just. Three, whatsoever things are pure. Four, whatsoever things are lovely. Five, whatsoever things are of good report. Six, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. How about that? Well, I guess we all can't be accountants, otherwise, you know. (laughs) But anyhow, even if there were nine of them, or six of them, they're still good, aren't they? And this is very important. This is a real key also for our Christian lives. What you fill your mind with is what your life is going to be like. That is true. It's as true as we're here tonight. If you fill your mind constantly with the things of the world and you're getting a constant diet through your eyes and your ears, constant, constant of things of the world and they don't have to be wicked, most horrible things. They can just be plain Jane worldliness. But if that's what you're, you're getting... Constantly, hour after hour, day after day. That's what your Christian life is going to end up being. The computer programmers, they have a saying, and you've heard it, I know. I'll say the first part of it, and you tell me the second part. Garbage in, garbage out. That's exactly like our lives. That's why it's a battle for the brain often, you know. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tells us to give our bodies to God and then be transformed. Let our minds be transformed. We, we have to do this. We have to give our minds over to the Lord. God's given each of us a, a good mind. Well, what do we do with it? What do we put in there? What do we allow our eyes to see? What do we allow our ears to hear? Because these, these things are going to be a, you know, the eye gate, the ear gate. The input for our minds. And so we have got to be very careful. There was a man I read about who loved to study nature. And he was maybe a fanatic, maybe, but he was out in the nature all the time. And then he went and visited a friend in the city. And as they were walking down the busy street, he stopped and he turned to his friend in the city and he said, Do you hear a cricket? And his friend said, Are you crazy in this busy street with all the traffic? And the guy says, No, I hear a cricket. And he looked down and he reached down. He turned over a rock and there was a cricket. And his friend said, did you actually hear that? He said, yes, I did. He says, how can that be? He says, because I spend so much time in nature. I've trained myself to listen to all the sounds of nature. He said, you'll hear what you want to hear. Well, that's true sometimes in conversation. Someone can tell us something and we don't really hear what they said. We hear what we wanted them to say. The kid goes to dad. says, dad, dad, can, can Joey and me go and have an ice cream cone? Dad says, well, I don't know, maybe. And the kid runs, Joey, he said yes, he said yes. An example of hearing what you want to hear. Kids are good at that, I suppose. If we dwell on worldly things, our lives will struggle with worldliness. In Proverbs 23, 7, it talks about, uh, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so we need a constant diet of godliness, of the scriptures, of the the hymns. That's why in Ephesians, when it talks about being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. You'll be rejoicing. You'll have a taste, a desire for the things of God. And uh, it's good also, I think, to have good Christian books to read, good Christian sermons to listen to. Um, Be careful about Christian radio. It's a mixed bag. You can have one good speaker come on, and then you say, boy, that was good. And then the next speaker may say some things that really aren't so good. The doctrinal errors. And unless you're schooled in how to tell the difference, you could just swallow it right in and it can do you harm. You have to be careful about that sort of thing. There's a humorous story though about a a man who was going to get married. And the man was a manager of a jewelry store. And all day long he dealt with jewelry. That's what he did. You know, pearls, necklaces, and earrings, and watches, and rings, and all kinds of jewelry. That's His whole life was consumed with that. That's what he did day after day. Then he was going to get married. So he's standing before the pastor with his bride and all the people in the church, and he's holding the ring. And he's ready to put the ring on her her finger. And he repeats the words. He says, with this ring. Now what he's supposed to say is, with this ring, I thee wed. Okay? When he puts the finger on there. But he hesitated. And he said, with this ring, we give a full guarantee that the customer will be happy. <laughs> a little bit of humor. But what you, what you put in your mind all day long, you know, no wonder some people have nightmares is because they, they watch horror movies and then they go to sleep. They try and go to bed after that. Uh-uh. And so it's a bit of a battle for our mind. Visiting your prayer closet first thing in the morning and the last thing at night really helps your mind. It really does help you to fill it with good things. Finally, verse 9, and we're done here for tonight. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. It reminds me of how James said, Be ye not hearers of the word only, but... Doers of the word. Isn't that kind of exactly what Paul is saying here in verse 9? Do. He's reduced it down to do. One word. Do. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do. Now, how long have you been a Christian? Long time? Number of years? Well, according to verse 9 here, have you learned anything? Have you received anything? I mean anything good as to the things of God, the will of God. Have you heard anything good as if it were heaven sent? Well, that's all you need. Do it. Go ahead and do it. Now, Paul was a follower of Jesus. They didn't have a full, complete Bible back in this time when Paul was writing Philippians. There's quite a bit of it, but it wasn't complete. And a lot of, Christians didn't have a full Bible. Boy, that was a luxury that only very few had to have as much of the Bible as was written up to that point. Most of them didn't have it. We do, folks. We got the whole nine yards, all 66 books. We've got the complete canon, the complete revelation from God in book form. It's given to us. We've got it. Paul was saying, I follow Jesus. You guys follow me we'll all get to where we're going. Well, Paul's gone. But the Bible's here. And in the Bible, we can follow Jesus. We really, honestly, truly can. If we'll read it, if we'll study it, you'll see Jesus just about on every single page there. The question is, are we doing it? Are we doing it? So this old troubled world isn't getting any better. You won't find that things are getting better tomorrow or the day after. They're getting worse. And what the world needs is to see Jesus in us. So let's remember, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Right? And then whatsoever things are uh, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Let's pray now.